listening to the Art Problems Podcast, episode 13. I'm your host, Patty Johnson. This is the podcast where we talk about how to get more shows, grants, and residencies. And I am just going to start this podcast off real hot here because I'm doing something I am super excited about. I'm offering a free class where I talk about what all the successful artists I've worked with have in common and what they've done to get the visibility they have for their work. I've had a super fun time putting this together and I just know you're going to love it. The class is called How to Get Seen in the Art World. It takes place on Tuesday, February 7th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 11 a.m. Pacific Time. So you just need to do the uh, time calculation for your time zone if it's in between those. And it draws on the knowledge that I've gained from completing more than 250 artist assessments in less than two months, which by the way, is a lot of assessments. So you'll also learn more about how the membership I run, NAPFR, can help you in this class. But whether or not you're interested in joining, I think this is going to give you the basics of what I teach inside the platform. And of course, if you can't attend live, there will be a Q&A, but, or there will be a recording, but you'll miss the, the opportunity to do the Q&A. So you do want to attend live if possible. Now, Today, I'm going to give you the broad strokes of what we'll be digging into during the webinar. So to give you a bit of background on the assessments, so you have a sense of what I'm talking about. This is a service that we offer all network members. So when you join, you fill out a self-assessment form that tells me where you think your strengths are and where you think you can improve. And this is something relatively new that we're doing, which is why I've been doing quite, quite so many. Now, we ask you first to rate your skills, like social media, networking, record keeping, pricing, et cetera. And then we ask you to tell us where you'd like to be in one year. We ask other questions too, but you know that's the basic gist of it. We review your assessment and your goals, and we give you recommendations based on those goals for how to use the membership. So like what curriculum to watch first, what kind of events we think would be best suited for you. And then we also assess the feasibility of your goals based on your online materials. So this gives our members a roadmap and checklist of sorts for the year so that they can reach the goals that they set. And that's really important because every artist comes in with different problems and at different stages in their career. So we want to make sure that they have this personalized roadmap. Now, pretty much every artist inside Network articulates career growth as a goal, which makes sense. That's why you would join us. And it's normally in the show, in the form of shows. The biggest difference between artists who have more visibility and those who don't is the specificity of their goals that they articulate in this assessment. And there's a big difference here between articulating a goal like, you know, I would like to apply for more grants or saying something like, I would like to apply for at least one grant per month or, you know, the goal is I will apply to the Guggenheim grant. Now, 
the problem with the first goal is that applying for more grants is not specific enough to know if you've hit it. More grants is virtually any number, so it's not really a target that you can strive towards. The problem with the second goal is that applying for one grant a month would be nearly impossible. So the feasibility is an issue. And I know there there is going to be somebody listening out there who's like, wait a minute, I apply for one grant a month and it really works out well for me. And if that is you, don't stop. (laughs) If it's working out well for you, do not pay attention to me. But for the vast majority of us humans, we are not going to be able to apply for that number of grants um, without suffering some significant burnout. Now, the strength of the last goal is that applying for a Guggenheim is very specific. We normally let our members know whether we think it's a good use of their time for the stage of the career that they're in to be applying for the Guggenheim. But I'd say about 75% of the members we have who are thinking about applying should be thinking about it. And that, by the way, should give you an indication of just how competitive the award is. A lot of really great artists apply for the Guggenheim. And one of the reasons to do so is to know for yourself that you belong in that pool of talent. So even if you don't get the award, the process of applying ideally gives you the confidence. It gives you more confidence rather than steals it from you. And One thing I do find is that if you're not quite at that level, at the level where a Guggenheim makes sense for you, it can do some damage in terms of stealing confidence from you. So you really want to make sure that you're in the right spot for it. Now, one final thought on the subject of grants, the most common mistake that I see amongst our membership is members who should be thinking about applying for larger grants, but not having them on their radar at all. So if you're looking for gallery representation or better gallery representation, the time in between really should be used to raise your profile. So those high profile grants are a great way to do that. Now, the second commonality I see amongst artists who show consistently and have that visibility is that they are also traveling consistently. That may seem like a catch-22, and I recognize that, because if you're not showing, you don't have places to travel. And also, travel costs money. So there's definitely an issue of privilege here, uh, particularly when it comes to artists with families and artists who have job jobs. It may not be as possible as you would like to, to get out. Now, that said, finding reasons to be in places where you can network creates opportunity. So if you want to participate in an out-of-state art fair, but you don't have a gallery, apply to one of the artist-led shows or propose a talk or organize a pop-up. These are the ways that all artists, when just starting, get opportunities. It's also the way that people who have been at this for a while drum up networking opportunities. So, and I say this as someone with personal experience because I went to the Miami fairs in 2022, just like a couple months ago, because I pitched a panel, not because anybody approached me to come. And I'm like relatively well-known, 
right? So while I was there, I decided that I needed to make that fair priority and like in 2023 and 2024, because I realized how many members I had participating. Now, I would have known some of that through virtual conversation, but it was the boots on the ground that really gave me that insight. And I would not have had that without the travel. Travel is the way that we make opportunities come to us. And basically, that's because we go to them first. (laughs) Now, The third thing that artists with long-term visibility have in common, and what I'm going to say here might be a bit contentious, tends to be stable income. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, great, how do I get that? And it's a really reasonable question because uh, careers have peaks and valleys, and as an artist, it's possible to be famous and broke, right? Uh, And I also want to say here that uh, fame is fleeting, without money. That's just how capitalism works. And sales can be fleeting too. Like I recently talked to an artist who sold out a show, made enough money to live for three years, but then didn't sell any art after that initial show. And that's nobody's fault. But I think the lack of predictability in a market can create a lot of confusion. And that's where there's a lot of mindset issues that come up that keep artists from getting stable income. So here's a mindset issue. You don't set a revenue goal because you have so little money, it seems pointless. And I've been guilty of this. Also, you don't set a revenue goal because how could you? The revenue is so unstable. Also, 100%, I've been guilty of this. However, if you don't set the goal, you don't have anything to strive towards. So even if it seems pointless, I recommend setting that goal. Here's another mindset issue. You believe it's impossible to make money from art, so you don't try. Now, this is different than not being interested in sales. Not being interested in sales is a legitimate position and life choice. Assuming it's impossible to make money from art, that's a mindset issue, and that keeps you from making money. Another mindset issue. You set large impossible goals because dreaming is more straightforward than planning. Now, let's dig into this one a little bit because if the idea of art selling art is like so foreign to you that you're not sure where to begin, it's sometimes easiest to set wild goals. And I am not saying don't dream here, but when you're doing it, know that what you're doing is different than planning. Also, by the way, I've been guilty of this one too. And I want to say that I was guilty of this while setting low revenue goals, but they were still too idealistic for what I was doing. And that caused problems because what happened is I didn't make different plans. Another mindset issue, you set realistic revenue goals, but the steps you identify to achieve them don't have anything to do with revenue because you're so stuck you don't know where to focus. Now, if that's you, I've also had this issue, by the way, (laughs) if that's you, I recommend working meditation into your life. It's really helped me a lot when I felt stuck, and I don't think I would have gotten unstuck without it, quite honestly. We really need time to think, and I think in this particular world, what tends to happen is that we just get really busy 
with busy work and we don't have time to solve the problems that we have. Another issue is taking on adjunct jobs or some other gig economy jobs so that you have enough time to make art, but then the job doesn't pay enough to live on or allow for a holiday ever. So then little to no art gets made. So money gives you time. And the problem with all of these mindset issues is that they cost us a lot of planning time and action time that doesn't get us closer to our goals. So in New York, you need at least $60,000 in income to live a halfway comfortable life and afford a studio. And you'll just be getting by, right? The artists who have the easiest time making their work and showing it are those who have a steady full or part-time job that pays them enough to live. And I want to just be clear here that I'm using the word easy loosely. It's not uncommon to see incredible Chelsea shows and then learn of like the insane sacrifice that went into making them. Being an artist just straight up is not easy. It's very hard. So finally, the most successful artists inside Network exhibit a high level of self-awareness. And by this, I mean, they're able to assess their strengths and weaknesses accurately enough to address them. So interestingly, I've noticed a couple of gender stereotypes within the Network membership. And so I wanted to talk about those. So men, unsurprisingly, I think too many of us are more likely to overassess their skills. They are also more likely to believe that focusing on their art alone will move their career forward. So overestimating your skill level can result in a loss of opportunities because you don't know what needs fixing. It also tends to feed the belief that focusing on your art alone will be enough. It's not that women don't hold this belief. And it's also not that you don't need to work on your art. You absolutely do. But I think the idea that it's the only thing that matters is just not correct. If you're not networking, you're not growing your career. And your art can't do that on its own. Just straight up, that is the reality. Now, women, by contrast, are more likely to give themselves undeserved poor skills ratings. And that, of course, can decrease motivation and place your focus on problems that don't actually exist. For example, artists who believe they need to talk about their work better sometimes don't actually have that problem, but do suffer from extreme anxiety and self-doubt around networking. So in theory, the cure to self-doubt around networking would be better communication skills, right? And that makes sense. But when you've already got skills in that area, it's your self-doubt giving you ways to avoid the work you don't want to do with work that you don't need to do. Now, I'm not saying that poor communication skills don't plague certain artists. Like It's certainly the case. But I'd wager that the bigger issue here in general is fear around these issues, fear around communication more than anything else. If you make work, you can talk about it. It's a skill you have to learn like anything else, but it's entirely possible. Now, 
on Tuesday, I'm going to do a really deep dive into all this, how to gain visibility in the art world. I'm going to be doing it live and I'm going to be doing it for free. That's Tuesday, February 7th. And really, I can't wait to talk to you about this because we're just scratching the surface here. And I know how many of you are really feeling stuck. So the full hour lecture is really going to help you. I want to get your art out there. And so that's what we're going to do in this class. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review and share it with a friend. It really helps get that valuable information out to more artists just like you. You can find all of the names and the links that we reference in this conversation at workshop.art slash podcast.